Hello. Bianca Wiley is joining us, and um, we are about to talk about how the Canadian government has been or not been regulating AI in this country. And um, so just to give a little bit of context, um, Bianca Wiley is um, our person who is um, sort of uh, in, a, in a brief all, all algorithm and policy um, related stuff for, for us. Um, definitely deeper, but we'll, we'll talk about where you can get more information. So Bianca, thank you for joining us. No, thank you for having me. You're very welcome. So one of the articles, uh, you've been writing a series of articles about how the Canadian government is going about regulating or, or working through the policies when it comes to AI and um, how it's sort of, you know, it's just been rampant on society. We're all trying to get a hold of it. Um, the article that I'm referring to is titled we're in an AI hype cycle. Can Canada make a res uh, can, can Canada make it uh, a responsible one? The AI hype cycle, I guess, is what you're talking about. So, so can you just um, give us a context around what 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 is this AI hype cycle in, in in the in the way that you're positioning it in the article? Yeah, certainly. And if I may, I'm just going to give us a couple minutes of context in history and. Um I also will come back to what AI is because sure. there's a lot of contentious <laughs> different de definitions. But um, I just want to start by saying that in Canada, in 2017, the federal government and, and the Ministry of Innovation, Science, and Economic Development launched something called the Pan-Canadian Artificial Intelligence Strategy. And what this is in sort of old school policy terms is industrial strategy. So in 2017, the federal government said, we're gonna invest billions of dollars into this industry. And so we need to know that's a really important moment in the Canadian sort of version of this conversation is that our country has decided we're gonna put public funding into this industry. Um, so that's one piece of the puzzle. And then over the years, and in Canada, as some of us may or may not know, we have two very different um, pieces of legislation to manage privacy. So one of them is called the Privacy Act, and that one manages the information that the government holds on all of us um, in terms of public service delivery. And then one of them is called PIPIDA, and it is for the commercial um, owner, like management and use of data. Now, I say these things because most technology policy, you know, digital infrastructure discussion or algorithms or AI, um, that's sort of the precedent is that we have these laws that think about privacy, which is a piece of the puzzle. But now we're having conversations about very different um, contexts, right, in terms of our, like, what are we automating? And so just to say that we as a country are investing money in this industry, and then between 2017 and now, around 2020, the federal government um, created a policy document that's called the Directive on Automated Decision-Making. Mm. And that was to direct the public service on how to use artificial intelligence in public service delivery. And that didn't really get the kind of headline-y, you know, hype uh, moments that we're in today. But we have a policy document for that. Okay. Now you go a couple years more, and we're into 2022, and then we get into what the federal government is doing now, which is creating a law, which is different than policy, specifically for the artificial intelligence sort of systems industry. So what it's saying is the private sector has companies that make artificial intelligence, 
and we're going to write some laws, some a law here, and um, it's called the Art Artificial Intelligence Data Act, so ADA for short, and that has been tabled and it has moved through the House of Commons. It's got a lot of criticism. Um, there's a lot of concerns with it, and we can talk about that a bit. But I just wanted to say, sort of, that's the that's some of the mm. key points in the history and where we're at today is just to end this on a funny note the government funded some of the prominent artificial intelligence scientists right like there's uh, different ones that you may see in the headlines so the very people that we've been funding for six or seven years mm. with millions of dollars in mm. institutions are now turning around and saying we need to be regulated we have problems over here you know mm. like there's issues we need to rein this stuff in mm. coming from the same people that are the ones who are creating the problem. Mm -hmm. So that's an interesting construct. Mm -hmm. um, but I think I think the, the the last thing I'll say is that this is all being done. This particular moment in time and this law and the focus is on the industry and the people who are designing this law are investing in the industry. So really fundamentally, we have to ask ourselves are the people who are putting public money into the artificial intelligence industry really the best ones to figure out how to also right. rein it in and mm -hmm. administer it and enforce it, you know? And I think, so at its very heart, we have some problems, but hopefully that's a little bit of the landscape of sort of where we are. And this hype cycle is that there's so much enthusiasm and there's so many, you know, like headlines every day and what's happening, machines are getting so smart and they're going to take jobs and they're, you know, being used for deep fakes and they're being used to write, you know, it's coming up in the um, Hollywood labor strike, right? Writers saying, is this going to be, you know, is artificial, is artificial intelligence threatening our livelihood? So the, the, the issue is all over the place right now, but the Canadian response to it, um, I don't think that many people are aware of what the feds are doing. And we need to try to imagine that this is um, a pretty good moment to intervene on the assumption that we want all this artificial intelligence mm. everywhere because my instinct is a lot of people don't yeah, it's 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 it is it is difficult to understand where the public consensus is on this, right? I mean, the hype part of the hype is that it is driven by society and 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 consumer demand and and things like that, which is, I guess, in a way, a red herring because these things are always we're always told that these things are driven by consumer demand. Um, but I wanted to backtrack just a little bit and and get to asking you around how did the government or maybe you can talk about if you know the process that the government engaged itself in while creating the legislation yeah so some of it i know and some of it i don't know and i would love to know more and it's really hard to understand what the government did mm -hmm. the piece that i know is that um ada so this artificial artificial intelligence and data act is uh, part of a bill that's called Bill C-27. And Bill C-27 is an update to that Commercial Privacy Act. So for years, the federal government has been talking about a digital charter for Canada. I mean, and this predates, this is like 2018. Mm -hmm. um, there were conversations about, okay, the digital era, digital age, we need to figure out how to make our systems, you know, fit for purpose and our laws. And, and so there was a consultation that informed 
some of the changes that are coming forward in Bill C-27, but there was not a broad-based public engagement mm. on the AI piece of this. Mm. So a lot of us in the civil society that were watching to see where this digital charter Bill C-27 thing was going, we're surprised when we saw this data piece that was sort of glommed on. Um, it's very short, it looks rushed, and it didn't have a proper public consultation. Mm -hmm. So it sort of sticks out and you say like, why is this here? And I've got, I've got some information as to why it's there. But in terms of the process, there wasn't that broad public process. Now what there is, and this is really interesting to me that the government thinks that this is consultation. Um, I said, which is short for the ministry in charge all of this, that's Innovation, Science, and Economic Development. Mm -hmm. They set up a group called the AI Advisory Council. And so they selected uh, some people from civil society and they had them take on a few different activities. Mm -hmm. And if you look at the mandate of this group, it's basically to get the public to trust AI and to be excited about it. Mm. So they went out and did somewhat of a roadshow during, um, I think, the first couple of years of the pandemic. Mm. And I will just say, because I have to say this every time I say it, we are still in a pandemic. Okay. Um, but in the first couple of years of the pandemic, so it was all virtual. Um, but they went out and they were basically talking to people to try to get them to understand AI, which mm. is a different mandate than a consultation. Mm. So the government is saying, oh, no, we've done lots of consultation. And it's sort of like, okay, you've done a lot of closed-door industry consultation, mm. which is like we can't even see into that. Mm. And then you've got this thing going on, which is not a consultation. This is like trying to get buy-in for your investment. <laughs> because what I said and the federal government have done over these years, and I think it's important to remember this, is they've basically – decided that they that having artificial intelligence spread out throughout all sectors of society is a good idea uh, and I think again the idea that um, we've all agreed to that absolutely is not true there's no consensus that we've as a, as a country had those conversations and I think unfortunately this follows in this tradition and there's we've got these Canadian moments in policy like Janice Gross Stein wrote about the cult of efficiency um, Ursula Franklin wrote about the real world of technology um, there's critics that go well for their back and they basically keep saying this technology is a cultural discussion you know like if we're gonna talk about what what this should look like we have to do this democratically um, that's not what we're doing we continue to have technology um, really spread out through society simply because it's an industrial strategy. Mm. And uh, this is exactly what we're seeing here again, and it follows in the course of what we've seen for the last 20, 30, 40. You know, you could, you could go back and have these arguments all the way to, um, I don't know, sometimes I think about the car, and people say, well, look, we regulated the car. And it's like, yes, but did we consider what the car did to the ecosystem right. of a neighborhood? No. Right? right? Like, exactly. if we did, we didn't do that very well. Right. So I think we have to be really careful about this idea of holding in so tightly on an object instead of understanding it as social relations and labor relations. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it, it's not just the really dangerous or harmful or scary potential uses. It's also what does it mean to just automate all kinds of mm -hmm. relationships, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Like, that's a totally different animal. Um, but 
that's not the way that this kind of legislation is looking. This thing is looking at it in a very narrow, narrow sense. So that's a bit of the background. What I can say is um, they did do public consultation. They've consulted with industry uh, like all across the board here in terms of that small Canadian AI industry they've been talking to. They, as far as I can see, haven't talked broadly even to industry, which I think oh. that's for another conversation. Okay. And then interestingly, and I wrote one short piece about this, um, they've decided to create something called a generative AI voluntary code of practice. Hmm. So, Separate from the from the from the bill, which is you know they're trying to make a law, they've decided they're going to do a voluntary code to say to companies that create AI, hey, if uh, if you want to do the right thing, here's some guidance. And in doing that, which they they ICID is talking about, the federal government is talking about, like, hey, this will help us as we get to the law. They did not consult with the office of the federal privacy commissioner. And that was interesting to me because we in this country have so little oversight, and I'm not even one to say that the privacy commissioner is uh, arm's length enough. You know, like all of these ombudsmen, all these different people are offices are still politicized. But the fact that ICE had just sort of said, well, we're just going to go, you know, we're just going to go on this voluntary, so it doesn't matter. they just skipped it. And I just think for the general public, we have st- such little capacity on our side to look at this stuff that I said sort of skipping over one of our checkpoints is not good. So as far as consultation goes, nothing broadly publicly, lots of industry consultation, no consultation on this, this little piece, which is different than the law with the privacy commissioner. Um, it's been a really anti-democratic uh, undertaking. And, and I guess I'll just, I'll, I'll end with this part, which is, Canada is rushing because it wants to be at, you know, I I feel like this is not the best way to say this, but they want to be at the big kids' table with the U.S. and with the EU, and they want to sort of show up on the global stage because they like to think, Canada likes to think it's like a leader here. But the thing is, it hasn't done its homework. Mm. So it's kind of rolling up and speeding up to go and talk to other countries, but those other countries, as far as I can see, have at least done a bit more work. Mm. Um, so I think this this bill, as it stands now, really should be stopped and restarted and taken out of that industrial development kind of mindset and mm-hmm. you know move it over different part of uh, uh, different parts of the government maybe not just um, industrial policy. But that's that's the context here in terms of consultation. It has been very bad. It hasn't included a lot of people. It hasn't even included you know labor experts or economists as far as i can see hasn't included workers it hasn't included the people that will be most impacted for sure they're not there but not even their representatives are there so it's not in good shape from a democratic process perspective not at all Mm. so bianca um, let's clarify a few things so the consultation process that we're talking about did include the ai companies i mean the ai sector and, and that's what you're talking about when you say that industry you're talking about the ai guys and i i wonder then um how much of an influence have they been on the on on the bill itself if, if you have any comments on that yeah, so the first one is I don't know for sure. I mean, what I know is you can you can see that there's a very tight relationship between 
um, the organizations that were funded uh, back when the Pan-Canadian Artificial Intelligence Strategy was launched. So you've got Mila, you've got Vector Institute. Like these are places that were funded to commercialize AI. So okay. they're not quite, you know, they're yeah. not businesses directly, sure. but through yeah. them, yeah, yeah. through uh -huh. there, there are the startups or they're the related companies, right. and they have a um, sort of a through this AI advisory council, they have a batch of those companies represented uh, there. So they're close, you know, like they've always had a closeness. And I wrote mm -hmm. a post that very specifically showed the interplay between uh, Minister Champagne, who is the head of ICED, and Mila, which is this institution in uh, Montreal. And it shows sort of um, this, this desire to like get this bill pass soon and, and an urgency and we need to make this happen. Um, so there's a decent amount of conversation going on there. In terms of the influence on the bill, I can't say because I don't have any direct insight into that, but it's important to say that um, just looking at this from a very different angle, um, we don't have a general purpose law for software, for example. That doesn't exist. We have some very specific regulated cases, like uh, if you have a pacemaker, um, for example. Like there are some very, very specific places where we've regulated software, but there's no general software law. And in this case, it is, um, in some instances, you could imagine it's beneficial to these industries that a law exists because it sort of legitimizes what they're doing, right? Like it kind of says, okay, well, this is important and if there's gonna be a problem, it's covered in this law, and now everybody's safe to use this stuff. It's a bit of a green mm -hmm. light, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I would even just say that the existence of the law is in some ways more of an important signal than a lot of the specifics, because one of the critiques, which gets back to your question of you know, like who's written it or what's in there, um, if you look at what they've written so far, it's 18 pages. There's basically, when I say they, like the federal government, um, it, it, it's a shell. There's nothing really definitive in it. It has all kinds of blank spots, and it basically says, we're going to figure this out after we pass mm. it into law, mm. which to me is bananas. Um, you don't do that. You don't figure it out after it's a law, because then you're stuck with the frame that you, that you created. So all to say, there's definitely a lot of people in the ears of, you know, I said, that are in the industry. Um, but I don't know exactly how direct their influence has been on the drafting. What I know is they're not talking to a lot of other people. <laughs> so um, no matter who they're talking to, they're not talking to enough people. They're talking to a very close circuit of participants, which is a problem. Anybody should be able to see that that's a problem. Yeah, no, most most definitely. Um, I mean, certainly, you know, in, in the, where the interests lie is, it's very easy to, to kind of see that when um, public um, consultations are, are basically a sham. And, and that's been the history of the Canadian government um, anyway, for, for, most, uh, for the totally. most part, if, if not for all of it. Um, yeah, totally. And it, it's hard for me, too, to say they need to consult. And then also in the same breath, I'm thinking the consultation would not be done well based on any of the history of the federal government doing consultations. Right. So, yeah. but you know, you have to have some modicum of belief that if this matters, we can figure out how to have a good public national conversation. And I think we could, and we'd have to put the demand out there and, and be persistent about it, but it's not gonna happen without, you know, agitation. 
So we're, we're speaking with Bianca Wiley, who's a partner at Digital Public, a public interest digital governance firm. You guys can look that up at Digital Public. Is it dot .com or dot .ca or? It's dot .io. Dot .il. Dot .io. I.O. What is yeah. I.O.? This is a great question. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> anyway, it's digitalpublic.io. Um, and so, Bianca, let's let's talk about what's happening in response to um, all of this in terms of um, public society, civil society, um, groups like yours and, and others. Um, where, where do you see it um, sort of coalescing, maybe? Or do you, do you I don't know, talk to us about yeah. what, what that's like. number of people who are working on amendments so they're basically ready for when this goes next to um, wh where this bill is headed next is called INDU committee so it's like the committee at the federal government um, made up of various MPs and they are going to take a look at where this where this bill is they're going to take briefs in from people so that's something if anyone's interested they can I've written about it too um, how, how to create a brief. I'm going to write one. But there's a, there's a number of people who are from within the technology civil society submitting briefs that propose amendments to try to fix uh, in as much as it's possible mm -hmm. this draft. Mm -hmm. And that is, you know, really the government should appreciate the labor that civil society is doing for them because mm -hmm. this, is, uh, this is frankly quite asinine because this is like people having to do this uh, as free labor in, in terms of this bill is not done. So without it being done, you've got people having to come in and it's not just like, they're not just critiquing it. They're like, okay, uh, clearly this is not done. So let's try to like do some of the work. Mm -hmm. um, so that's, that's happening. And when this goes to a new committee in the fall, you'll see some of those briefs and people will be appearing to do testimony there. They'll you know, speak for five minutes or so. Um, and so there's, there's, a, there's a bunch of us working on that. Mm -hmm. But then there's also, and this is maybe, you know, strategically a little bit off to the side, um, there's definitely a contingent of people who agree, even if they're writing amendments, that this should be stopped. Uh, it's being written by, I would say, a pretty, in some ways, diverse set of civil society actors who are sometimes even quite conservative, mm -hmm. who would say, on democratic process, this should be stopped. You should take this away and start again. Um, mm -hmm. Some of them think it's fine within ICID, some of them don't. Um, and so it's going to be a bit of a mixed bag of trying to fix it, but also trying to argue, I think primarily, you should be scrapping this and starting again mm -hmm. and putting, locating it somewhere else so it's not like the same people who are funding the industry are also writing the oversight right. and also being in charge of enforcement. Like it's, the way it's written now, is, um, it, it, it's, hard, it's hard to believe that this is out in public. and. It kind of feels like one of those times where they're just hoping people aren't reading it because this is not, this isn't like, oh, it's a contentious suggestion that the same person or, or um, you know, that the same ministry shouldn't be doing all of these functions. Of course they shouldn't, but they are. So there's sort of this one line of argument to try to shut it down and move it away and start it again. Mm. But if that's not going to fly, here's some amendments. Okay. And so there's going to be like a whole wave of amendments. Um, all those MPs are going to get the briefs, they're going to get a report from the people who work on that committee that are parliamentary assistants, I think, I'm, I'm getting the title maybe wrong, mm -hmm. but they're going to get all these things in from civil society, put them together, 
share it with the MPs. The MPs are going to hear from people, and then they're going to have to make a call as to what they do with this thing. Do they, you know, do they go along with the amendments? Do they say no? Do they scrap it entirely and try to relocate it somewhere else? Unclear, but that's all going to go down in the fall. And my my thing for everybody who would want to get involved in this is just to, I think, remember that these are MPs who. I think sometimes need to hear more of a moral argument than a technical argument because mm. we're sort of at these points in time where you have to say to someone, listen, this is not, you have power in this moment, you know? We've, we've had these waves of feeling overwhelmed by all these private infrastructures and these automations and all this. Um, mm. We're, you know, we're a country with, uh, we have a domestic policy and legal history here. We shouldn't just be doing what everyone else is doing to harmonize our industry. We should be looking at ourselves and saying, what kind of a society do we want to live in? Like, do you want to be, you know, that next set of nine, twelve hands that just sort of said, ah, not my problem, but it actually could change at this point in time if we insert ourselves mm-hmm. um, rather than this just being more and more of the status quo. So I think I think it'd be great to, for people to look up the Indu committee, look at the members. And don't really think you have to be a big legal or technical expert. I think you can write people and say to them, you know what, I don't want this. Like, this is not, I, I, I'm not interested in this. I want to be, you know, respond, I want to engage with people. I want to make sure that we're expanding the role of labor. I don't want to be trusting things to systems that we don't have a good handle on yet. Um, mm-hmm. I just want more thoughtfulness. I want some more time, you know, I'd, I'd like to be involved in this and hold them accountable for the responsibility they have. Because I just feel like everyone feels like all this tech stuff is a runaway train, and the reality is it's not. Mm. But but you have to remind every point of power that there is power and agency there. So I'm a little nervous that people get mired in the technical, and you have to remember that these are actually moral, social, cultural discussions. Mm. Um, but that's where this is going next, and I think it'll be good to watch, good to read, good to participate, and I hope more people can make a bit of noise, because... A lot of this just continues because people feel it's not their expertise world, you know? Like, oh, I'm not a technical person, or I don't know what AI is, so I don't want to touch it. Yeah, I mean, it's true. You're absolutely right in what you say, and listeners should definitely follow up and get more information. And um, there are a lot of um, sources out there. Bianca, maybe you want to name a couple that listeners can can go to to get information, maybe um, also including your own. And and would there be... Um, I don't know, quite often sometimes there there are suggestions on how to write the letter or what points can be made in the letter or, or things like that. Mm-hmm. So I have found um, that for general information on how to write these letters or briefs, I, I've, I've been writing a little series of blog posts. If you go, it's myname.com, it's biancawiley.com. I've got, like, I'm on the seventh one. Um, a couple of those posts are very clear about, like, what, who do you email, how long should it be, and, like, if you write this. I think I will end up posting some. Once I've got mine, I'll share it, and anybody can grab any, they, anything they want, riff on it, you know, like, submit it. Right. Um, but I also think, like, different organizations are looking at this from different perspectives. There's a coalition that's looking at facial recognition technology, for example, mm. but that's, like, a narrow case of AI, mm. but it has its own legislation. So mm. I think what you see here is a bit of the splintering, too, where these issues are kept hived off into independent, um, you know, like mm-hmm. into independent interests. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, which is which is hard. Open Media has great um, work on you know like different campaigns. Um, the uh, CCLA um, always working on great things in digital policy. So mm. you know, Canadian Civil um, Liberties Association. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh-huh. yep, and then the provincial versions of those have some like BCLA um, does great work. Like they have stuff going on. So in terms of different campaigns you mm. see like the canadian civil society groups are small mm. but um i think this is partially why it's so important to manage your own expectations that this is like a good decade-long kind of march towards like trying to turn the corner on a lot of this that uh, it may go through it may not but we have to stay on top of this issue through some of these groups and figure out how to engage more broadly, right? So in these near-term interventions, we can't build that broad societal coalition, but we're working on it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're just sort of trying to find find each other in, in the mm-hmm. years ahead. So anybody who's interested, you look at any one of those groups and you can send an email or if you want to stick your hand up. I have a, I have a volunteer group called Tech Reset Canada, um, digitalpublic.io. We mentioned we, we write stuff and put it out there. So um, kind of a mixed bag of people from all over the place. But if you find one, you'll find more of us. Right. And, and everyone's excited to try to support. I, I want to end on the note that it really, I, I have seen it over and over again in my career that like people just writing from the heart is so strong. Doesn't have to be long, doesn't have to be, but you know, whatever. It's just like, um, it's almost like politicians and the system is so jaded they like don't know what to do with people showing up just being honest and that can sometimes be tactically more impactful than all the things that are expected so just like I just want people to feel that all of us have this agency even if it's not like you don't have to feel sure but just like even just getting a volume of different messages from people and you're an MP um, there's like it, it matters it can feel like it doesn't but i think over time we have to just like keep at it and, and not give up on these systems that ask us to be cynical this process asks you to be cynical you just have to refuse <laughs> you just have to refuse and say no we're going to stay in here you want us to go away but we're not going away yeah it is it is absolutely right like you say it's it's a never-ending thing and and people do need to constantly um you know raise their voices uh, write letters and engage in in the process quite often we find that um, you know this is part of the struggle is to get people involved um, rather than just passively accept things. Um, so we were speaking with Bianca Wiley, a partner at Digital Public. Um, Bianca, it's always a pleasure to speak with you, and uh, thank you so much for your work. Also, we look forward to catching up with you next time, and, and maybe we can talk then about what people can do uh, to protect themselves in in this age because it seems like this is a steamroller it's it's going to be coming down in in one form or another and um you know uh, literacy is is going to be important i think yeah definitely so Nora, it's always such a pleasure thank you so much and i would love to pick up again on that front got lots of that there too so just thank you so much for the opportunity and talk to you soon okay thank you take care okay good night, good night. thanks yeah so here we <laughs> We are still chugging along. It's uh, up to the top of the hour now at 6 o'clock. We're going to transition over into the rational, and we will be speaking with Fauzi Rafiq very, very soon. Uh, But before that, we will go back to the theme song.